Oh, man. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> I, got, I got a call Friday. Taylor was like, bruh, <laughs> I might need you to preach. <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot. Okay. We're going to have to. I was like, bro, I can't do Esther now. I can't do Esther with short notice, baby. He's like, I know, I know, I know. He said, let's talk about it. So we, we, we talked something over that the Lord's put on my heart. I'd like to share that with y'all this morning. For those who don't know, I'm a teacher and a coach. It's so funny. Everyone looks at me like, oh, football or basketball. And I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm flattered. I am. I'm like, wow, you think I would make the team better. That's great. Uh, no, I would make them worse. So I actually teach public speaking, right? I coach it. We're getting ready for nationals. It's going to be in Phoenix uh, a week in this month. And so because I'm a teacher, I'm very familiar with summer reading. Anybody familiar with that at your jobs? Yes. So your boss or the leader of the organization says, hey, faculty, staff, I want you guys to read something, whether it's in or outside the Bible for us, and it's supposed to be something that really prompts thoughts, and we're supposed to come back and briefly share what we learned, how it's enriching us. And one summer, I believe it was 2017, uh, we read this really big book. Uh, The book was Understanding the Times. A Survey of Competing Worldviews by Jeff Myers and David A. Noble. It's, it's a big book, and <laughs> we were assigned certain chapters to read. Guess which guy read the wrong chapters? It was me. So I, I went there. It's so funny, too. I was confident, right? I showed up like, yeah, I'm ready to share. And I was going to be the only one sharing on what I read, which is hilarious. So uh, I read the wrong thing, but I think it was God's providence. And I'm excited to share about that. Uh, This book gave a crash course on so many different worldviews. You kind of had a little picture of postmodernism, talked about Islam, Marxism, a little bit of everything. And I was on the pantheism chapter, right? And I never knew about pantheism before. And essentially, pantheism asserts that everything physical is God. So like your clothes, podium here, the universe, everything physical material is essentially an expression of God. I think you get the point. So a couple weeks later, after reading the wrong chapters, I posted a heartfelt Facebook status, and it was just about racial reconciliation. And one of my friends from high school posted, he's like, I'm a pantheist, but amen, brother. So like I was reading it, and I was like, oh, shoot, okay. Like I've never seen the word pantheist before, so I got hyped. I was like, I've been trained for this, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Right? So pantheism popped up. I said, hey, bro, I had him up. I said, hey, forgive my ignorance, but I knew I read about it. I was like, forgive my ignorance, but doesn't this have to do with everything in the physical world being God? He was like, yeah. I was like, let's go. I said, man, can we get on the phone? Because we weren't really close in high school. I said, can we get on the phone? I want to hear more about that. He said, of course. Uh, (laughs) So he got on the phone with me, and we talked for three different times. The average length of the call was about three hours apiece. As you can imagine, I mean, everything's God. We got to cover the bases here, okay? Um, so I realized God was prepping me and teaching me, sometimes we aren't able to bring people to the altar. Sometimes we have to bring the altar to them. Uh, and that leads us to our scripture reading. So this is 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. Paul's writing this, although I am free from all and not anyone's slave, I've made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. To the Jews, I became like a Jew 
to win Jews to those under the law, like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, to win those under the law. To those who are without the law, like one without the law, though I am not without God's law, but under the law of Christ, to win those without the law. To the weak, I became weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that I may by every possible means save some. Now, I do all this because of the gospel so that I may share in the blessings. The word of the Lord. We're Christians. We know we got to share the gospel. And God put that on my heart. It's not just we, we have to, we got to, we should want to, right? So we're all on a pretty same plane as far as wanting to and understanding that we should want to. I think the question was, are we willing and able to adjust how we share the good news? Last month, Lifeway Research released a survey entitled Evangelism Explosion Study of American Christians. It's openness to talking about faith. And based on the survey responses, just about over a thousand American Christians, uh, there were some pretty interesting findings. The survey found that 54%, just 54% of participants said that they are either willing or eager to tell others about Jesus. 68% of respondents believe that it is the responsibility of the pastor to equip the congregation to share the gospel. And maybe one of the most heartbreaking statistics, 70% of just over 1,000 Christians have not shared with a stranger how to become a Christian in the past six months. That was convicting. That hit me hard. I read that, and I, I did a double take. I didn't believe it, and I realized, oh, my goodness, we have some work to do. I know fear of rejection, fear of man. That's definitely a part of this struggle to share, right? But I also believe as Christians, we struggle bringing up the gospel seemingly out of nowhere. So today, I will try to convince, hopefully remind, you all on why the church should study and practice kingdom-centric flexibility. I'm a re- you know, a call and response, guys. So please say kingdom. Kingdom. Say kingdom. Kingdom. Centric. Centric. Flexibility. Flexibility. Kingdom. Kingdom. Centric. Centric. Flexibility. If you're a note taker, we're going to knock down these definitions real quick. Kingdom, we're referring to God's rule and reign and through God's people in the place where God dwells. So that's God's rule and reign through God's people in the place where God dwells. That's kingdom. That's what we're referring to. Centric, to be centered or focused on. You can say that. To be centered or focused on. Flexibility, the quality of bending without, y'all better tell you, the quality with bending without, y'all better get it. Oh, my goodness. So this isn't something you're going to see specifically in the text, right, kingdom-centric flexibility. But I feel like the Lord put that on my heart because we can start to see this theme over and over and over. Church, I believe we're in desperate need of kingdom-centric flexibility. Let's go to the first point. So let's define what kingdom-centric flexibility is and is not. 
Kingdom-centric flexibility meets people where they are currently at with the gospel. Let's look back at a brother Paul in Acts. He intentionally uses Greek culture to call people towards Christ. I'm going to read this. If you need to close your eyes and imagine the scene, you can do that. I'm going to read this for you. It's a little chunk of scripture. Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. For as I was passing through and observing the object of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God. Perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live, we move, we have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Since then, we are God's offspring. We shouldn't think that divine nature is like gold or silver or stone or an image fashioned by human arts or imagination. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Did you hear that? (laughs) He quoted Greek poetry, y'all. He referred to Greek idol worship to point people to Jesus. You don't think Paul knew the weight of what was going on? He brags about it in the letters. He's a Jew's Jew. I don't know. Thou shalt not put other gods before me. He would have knew exactly spiritually how demonic that was, how how spiritually oppressing that would have felt to see all those gods. And instead of hitting them over the head with the law, he started from a place where his audience already had some footing. Are we sharing the gospel with our neighbors, knowing the footing they might already have? What about your coworkers? What about your family? Are we processing the footing that could lead to the gospel, kingdom-centric flexibility? Move forward to Acts 18, the next chapter. Paul is actually preaching mostly to Jews. Different audience, right? Different approach, same gospel. Chapter 5 says, Paul devoted himself to preaching the word and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. He didn't use Greek poetry there, (laughs) y'all. He knew his audience. He said, oh yeah, they know the word. Okay, we're going to open the word. You're going to learn today. He opened up the word. He took them there. Hey, you see this right here? You see where Adam fell short? Yeah, Jesus didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to take you through Abraham. I'm going to take you through Moses. I'm going to take you through the law. This is where Jesus fulfills the law. Different audience, different approach, same message. 
It's the kingdom-centric flexibility. I remember really being young in my faith, and my wife, Lauren, she would go on international mission trips, and she went over to East Asia. And I remember she told me that they were being discipled to talk about sin. Instead of focusing on disobedience to God, they used the word shame on God, right? And I remember when I first heard that, I was like, why are you watering down the gospel? <laughs> like, I was like, just tell, just tell them how it is. Just tell them how it is. But she was. She was meeting them to where they already had that footing. See, shame in that culture encapsulated the weight of sin. They needed to hear it that way. That was very gracious of them to make sure that they would use a word that they're familiar with to awaken and hopefully open their eyes to the reality. We even see this through the scriptures. Holy Spirit falling down on the early church in Acts. Did y'all notice people were speaking different languages? Do y'all think those were different gospels? Do y'all? No. Let him be accursed if someone preaches another gospel contrary to the one that we learned from the Lord. That's what Paul said. No, they were not different gospels. They were the same gospels with different languages because their footing, their language was at different places. The good news doesn't change for people who speak a different language. So having kingdom-centric flexibility is like being an interpreter. Any language, same message, but any language. Can we speak different languages to get to the gospel? Bonjour. Hola. Ciao. Jumbo. Hi. These are all ways to politely say hello. Same message, but can we deliver it in a way that fits people and meets people where they're at? Now, we have to quickly remember, flexibility means to bend, not to. To bend, not to. Good. Something is no longer flexible when it snaps. And Paul was not willing to break the good news of Jesus for the, for the Greeks or for the Jews. He did not break. He didn't say to the Greeks, you know what, man, y'all, y'all are very religious, and that's going to serve you well. That's going to serve you well on Judgment Day. You, you poured your heart out into this. That's all God wants. He did not do that. He did not say, you know what, Jews, you know, y'all are in the line of Abraham. So everything that Abraham did well, you know, he's just going to pass down down to y'all. Y'all, y'all are going to be fine. He did not do that. We have to be aware and careful of breaking the gospel message. We are never called to do that. But the flexibility piece is something interesting. Second point, we actually see Jesus practice kingdom-centric flexibility. Uh, We should remember how the king himself became flexible for sinners like you and me. Yes, it is true. (laughs) Jesus emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and came to earth as a man. God's nature... In human flesh, think about that. But don't, don't rush over that. The God who is outside of time, matter, space as we know it, God's nature ooh, in human flesh. Be amazed, marvel at that incredible ability to bend. And thankfully, Not just in nature, he also became flexible in how he taught. 
Paul mentions human limitedness in Romans. The idea that God is so big, God is so amazing that understanding him fully, I'm going to say it again, understanding him fully, last time, understanding him fully on this side of eternity is impossible. Christ provided pictures, stories, illustrations, metaphors to help us grasp. Y'all, if we could fully understand God on this side of eternity, right now in this moment, something's wrong with our theology. He's too great. That's what makes it powerful when he reaches down to us. He himself explained to the woman at the well that I'm the living water. He spoke in agriculture metaphors saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. He did a parable about the sower because he lived in an agricultural community. Pastor Taylor said it a couple weeks ago. He approached a bunch of fishermen and called them to be fishers of men. Are you hearing me? He meets us where we're at. Shouldn't we be doing the same thing when we share the gospel? Third point, uh, how can we practice kingdom-centric flexibility? Hmm. I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts. I really, really believe get involved in tight-knit community with believers. Listen to their stories of sharing the gospel, of how someone shared with them. You'd be surprised. That, that would ignite a huge fire. But I really believe we must look for and identify the footprints of Christ even on unholy ground. And the image that came to my mind, it was like a beach. And y'all, y'all know that all beaches aren't made equal, right? It's really nice ones. And there's some, there's some, okay, I'm not going to hate. I'm not going to call them out. But there's some beaches, y'all. Just they, they ain't it, okay? The sand's rough, nasty looking. So I, I imagine almost this really bad beach, the sand, but still being able to see the footprints. What, would, what it would look like to look at the world, see the brokenness, instead of just fixating on that, see the footprints of Christ. Was that not what Paul was doing? He walked around, saw the idols, saw all the false gods, and he was like, nah, nah, I'm not leaving them here. I, I see a footprint here. <laughs> Unholy ground, there's still a footprint. Can we identify the footprints? Anytime we encounter a worldview, a person who believes something different than the gospel, we have to be able to chew the meat and spit out the bone. So here's a quick little mind, I guess, framing we can do. Instead of just leaving it on the world is wrong or different worldviews, they're wrong, what if we shift it to incomplete? That might be a better way for our minds and our hearts. Now, ultimately, Jesus is the truth, right? He is the truth. He is life. He is the way. But having that shift of incomplete can help you find that bridge to help them with their footing on what they already have. Um, I did not start my conversation with my friend saying, you know what, man? Pantheism is just wrong. Don't think we would have made it three calls 
with an average of three hours. <laughs> we wouldn't have made it that far. I was trying to find small truths we could agree on so I would have an open door to share the truth later on. So families, parents, here's just an example. If you want to allow your kids to watch things like Disney, we love Disney. Maybe Moana, for example. I love Moana. Y'all already know this. Instead of saying, oh, man, the Mo- Moana is anti-gospel and Moana is this, 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 this is, doesn't tell the story. I think it might be helpful to help our kids see how Christ, rather than Moana, completes the full story. I mean, think about it, y'all. A world in harmony. Someone steals the heart of Tafiti. That's Maui, for those who don't know. Death and darkness start to spread across the world. One special person has to risk their life across the sea to go restore everything that was broken. Hello, footprints. Bunch of footprints. And I'm not going to judge you. If you don't want your kids to watch Disney or stuff like that, that's your conviction between you and God. Okay. But I don't want you to run from the opportunity to be kingdom-centric, flexible, right? We want that. Friends, maybe you have two non-believing friends that are about to get married. Maybe you're even caught in singleness right now. Can't you meet them where they're at? Don't you know something about the holy wedding day coming up in Revelation that we're all looking forward to? Can't you understand their footing? If you have a coworker obsessed with exercise, don't say, oh, man, you were wrong putting all of your hope in your... Can you applaud the discipline and say, hey, you know what? God doesn't just care about your body. He cares about your soul, too. You know your body is going to stay here. Let's work out our salvation. That's what the Lord calls us to. Let's work that out because our soul is going to live much further on. Can you find the footing of your audience? We need to. Not just so we can get a pat on the back. It's never that. It's. We can meet people where they're at, help them see God more clearly, and they're going to be able to praise our God who is in heaven. That's the message. Paul said it. I've become all things to all people so that I may by every possible means save some. Now, I do all this because of the gospel so that I may share in the blessings. Kingdom-centric flexibility. My friend made the comment, during one of our three-hour calls. (laughs) And he said, Austin, we are over here talking about pantheism and Christianity. And he said, it doesn't doesn't feel like a debate. That's what he said. It doesn't feel like a debate. It feels like a conversation. He said, it feels like you're listening to me. Thank you. And I was just thinking, like, bro, that's not my playbook. (laughs) That's the word, man. That is the word. We're so, I think we have to be careful. We can't be too quick to just simply share words. We have to be able to share our, our ear, slow to speak, quick to listen. I really believe God used that. And so in the listening, um, I believe that can even embolden non-believers to share what's on their heart and give you a better sense of footing so you can help connect those dots 
to the one who saves. So where does this leave, I guess, non-believers this morning? For those of you who don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I implore you to listen. Ask sincere questions regarding the good news of Jesus. Anything pertaining to his biblical life, death, resurrection, return. And I'm going to ask you to ask with humility. The scriptures are clear. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. I'm a teacher. I told you all that already. There's usually two types of kids that ask me questions. There's the (laughs) kid over here who has a sincere heart. Coach Groves has what I need. Coach Groves has the information. If I get this from him, then I'll be in a better position. I can can follow his direction. I know that he knows the way that student or I have a student who asks questions like they should teach the class. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. And I always, every time I pause and say, whoa, God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. That is wild to ask a question to the one that you were trying to pursue, trying to be in relationship with. So please, please, please ask with a posture of humility. Ask those simple questions, those sincere questions. And faith comes by hearing the word, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So the best thing that can happen today is for you to be reconciled to the Heavenly Father. It's not financial increase. It's not social relevance. It's not relational capital. It's reconciliation to the, fa- to the Father. Did the psalmist not say, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? Believers, we must speak up with kingdom-centric flexibility and truth and love. And non-believers, I ask, please, please listen.